Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Hey, we've got two guests with us this week. We absolutely do. A uh, a first-time person that will hopefully come back again, because we'll we will have to do the entire questions that we have for, for our normal guests that we have. Uh, but Mr. Brian Derrickson's in the podcast today. Hey, thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. Happy belated Turkey Day to all those listeners out there. That's right. All right. And then our second guest is a special guest, um, mostly because of some sad news that happened on Wednesday. Um, but he's the first person I thought about when we we're talking about what we we're thinking about the podcast. He's the first person I thought about having this. Uh, so my dad's on the podcast, Mr. Luis Acosta. Morning, everyone. Thank you for having me here. So, uh, so he's on the podcast not because, uh, uh, not by his choice, uh, <laughs> mostly because I kind of forced him to be here. But he's on the podcast mostly because, um, on Wednesday, uh, probably the most influential soccer player that I've, has ever lived uh, from an all all from an all around perspective. Uh, no reason to necessarily go and debate whether he was the best player or not the best player. I think he's the most influential player in this in, in football soccer history. Uh, Diego Armando Maradona passed away on uh, on Wednesday, the 25th. Um, and it was a shocking moment. Um, and I sat in the car with my dad that day uh, because we were going to the store or something like that. And I think, you know, the part that was interesting is when it happened, um, it, it seemed it's it honestly seemed like he was never like it was never going to happen. He was just going to be immortal. He was never going to um, ultimately never going to die. I mean, it, it was a, it was a really weird moment. Um he had just come out of surgery a couple of weeks before he was coaching in Argentina. Um, he had been in the country for a year after been away, having been away from the country for a long, a long time. Um, so it was, it was a really a tough moment um, and a strange moment, I think. And I was explaining it to my wife who she was trying to understand exactly what was, what was going through my head from somebody that I haven't, I never watched him play in real life. Like I didn't, I, I, I'm too young to have seen him play uh, in real life, or at least remember it. Um, Cause by the time I was seven or eight years old, he had he was re- on the retirement end of it. Um, but for me, I tried to explain to her that it was a connection to, to my country. It's a connection to Argentina that I have. Um, it's a connection to Boca juniors that I have. It, it's, it's what, a lot of people think about the first time they hear about Argentina, they think Maradona. And I think that's the, that's the tough part. And that's why my dad is, is on here to ask him the question of like, what was he like in real life? What was he, what was he like on a field? You got to watch him play. I, I uh, a few months ago, I went to my dad's house and, uh, for some odd reason, it's been 33 years since I've known about this, but he said, he has the ticket stubs from a lot of different games that he went and watched in Argentina in the 80s. 
Uh, and my first question was, oh, did Maradona play in this one? Did he play in this game? Did he play in this game? So and a lot of those answers were yes. So what was he like when you actually watched him play in real life? Uh, I enjoy those those games watching him play uh, because he used to play for um, Argentino Junior before when and then uh, Boca Junior bought him and he transferred in December 1980 and the first tournament he played with, with Boca Junior was started in, uh, eight, in February 1981 and I was there in the first game was that Sunday. They used to play at the same time, four o'clock. The, the stadium was packed because Boca Junior bought a few players, top players, Brindisi, Troviani, and Maradona. And we enjoy a lot watching those games. And the first game Boca Junior won to, against Talleres de Cordoba. Um, and then I I went most of the play, the games in Boca uh, when they play home, and a few times I went to the away games, uh, especially one in in Avellaneda when Maradona scored the first the first goal in that day. He received a pass from Miguel Angel Brindisi like a 50 yards away. And he received the ball and he didn't stop. And when he received the ball at the same time, he kicked and scored. And I think I, I was in the, in the bleachers behind that goal. It was nice. <laughs> and then when the tournament kept going, Boca Juniors was in the top uh, spot. And more people start going to watch those games. And it was difficult to get a ticket at that time. Because the first game you went to the, the box and buy the ticket. And then when the tournament goes to the end, Bogajino is still on the top. I couldn't get any more tickets at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to go to those games with another friend from the high school and we met there probably hour and an hour before the game start to watch the previous game as well. And one of the memorable time we watched was our rival River play. It was a Wednesday night and we go from the high school. We had high school, we left the high school with, um, uh, 6.30 p.m. Um, our school was like a 20 blocks away from that uh, stadium. And we we arranged everything to go after the, the school. Was night, was the night, rain a lot, rain a lot. But the, the place on the stadium we used to go and watch the game was on the second floor. And we had cover. We didn't get the rain during the game. the The problem was all the the people that was cost, um, the staff that they used for security took that hour spot in the second floor, and I couldn't <laughs> get to watch the game. 
I was jumping, finding the spot to watch the game. And it was one of the, the more, more nice score Maradona did against Filiol, was the keeper for the World Cup in 1978. And he was playing in the middle of the month. <laughs> uh, he tried to skip Filiol, the keeper, and then and it was everything was in the penalty area. And the score, the, the second goal, I think, was it was all the people jumping. It was nice. Yeah, we enjoy a lot with my friends watching Maradona in Boca Juniors. And then the first time I watched him was during 1979, the sub-20 uh, World Cup in Japan. I wake up to watch their games at 5 a.m. before I go to school. And I watch the game and then go to school. I think that's the, I think that's the, when in the last three days have been just constantly talking about Maradona and one of the things we talked about was how for as big of an impact that he had, he had an extremely short career. Um, if you, if you consider the amount of the amount of actually club play that he did, uh, he had a, about a 25 year quote unquote career, but not, he didn't play all 25 of years of it. So he really played about 14, 15 years of it um, for a bunch of different clubs. Um, but in some of them, I mean, he played it. He played at News Old Boys for five games and that was it. He played for barely a couple months and then he and then he left, played for Sevilla for one year. Uh, obviously, played in Argentino, Argentino Juniors for a lot longer, played for Boca Juniors for only one year. Uh, I think the I think the the fandom from Boca juniors comes from the fact that he was a Boca juniors fan, even before that was, he was, he was known as, as being that played at Barcelona for only two years for which one of those years, he was pretty much injured the entire time played at Napoli for, uh, for seven years, which was his longest stint at any club. Um, and that's where he made a really big impact. And then, then obviously Sevilla news of boys, and then came back to Boca juniors and it's always a question of, and I think, and I, and I watched an interview with him uh, recently where he said, imagine what it could have been like if, if without the injuries, without the bad influences and, and all those bad things that happened in his life, what his career could have been. And we talk about Messi's been at the same club for 20 years um, and almost have been play, has been playing for that long. And then you talk about Maradona having not played as many games and not done as many things like not, not playing the same club for as, as long. It, it just, it's an interesting dynamic. And I think, um, you know, the 1986 world cup for Argentina is, is this is the last glory kind of had as a, as a country, uh, Copa America the, after that, but, uh, but, the 1986 World Cup was the last World Cup Argentina's ever won. It's come close a couple of times since then, but the 86 World Cup was was Maradona at his absolute best. Um, was him scoring two of the best goals that have ever been scored. One 
because it was controversial and the other one because it was just that amazing. Um, so, but Brian, you, you were, you obviously you're, you're a little bit older than, than Dwayne and I. So what was it like in the 94 world cup when it was in the U S do you remember those times? Well, what I'm, what I'm thinking of is when I was in high school and we, we would, you know, the media wasn't as big as it is now, obviously. And then, you know, the coverage and things like that. So you read newspaper clippings and, and you saw different things that would be put in the media here. But I can remember like I'm at my dad's now and about a mile down the road is a, is a former a friend of mine that I went to high school with. And we would just go down there and we would knock balls around and, and play one V one. And like, we, we mimicked him. Like we, we would call his name out. We would all play goalies. Like some of the big, I can't remember the names now, but we would put names on our, in our minds. And we would say, you know, we're going to play like this, or we're going to, you know, we're going to try to emulate that, whether it be goalie or one V one as a forward or defender. And he was in our minds a lot during those years. Um, 94, obviously when the world cup was in the U S it was a big buzz, obviously with all the teams coming to the U S um, but I honestly, I can't recall. I don't recall any memories personally that would lead me to bring uh, Maradona. You know, I graduated in 84, so it was 10 years later. Um, but, you know, I remember the stripes, like the, the the uniforms and how they became popular a little bit in certain certain areas. Um, you know, the vertical stripes. Yep. Um, the alternating blue and lighter blue and things like that. Um, but definitely, you know, you mentioned like the influences and things like that. And you wonder, you wonder what a player is like when they create consistency with a club. Like, you know, you think you, you mentioned Messi and you mentioned um, things of that nature. When you're moving around a lot, what does that say about you as a player or the clubs that, you know, have let you go for whatever reasons, financially or other, but, you know, he had a great legacy, obviously the hand of God that, you know, that goal obviously is, what people have in their immediate memory. But as, as Lewis said, and your father said, there's so much more to his, um, his contributions to the game of soccer from a world perspective that a lot of people don't, they don't realize, you know, they remember him for that, this, you know, slapping of the ball. And, but what if, like, I've seen some videos I've, you know, when I saw the podcast, I, did a little research on just the touch on the ball. Like, and I know he had a patented move because I know when I started to coach in high school, we would do these technical series and one V one battles and we would go through different moves to beat players. And the Maradona was one of the, the moves. I think it was like a three, it's like a three sixty, right? You mm-hmm. to approach a player and you go full circle with the ball on the outside and you just keep dragging the ball from one foot to the other as you go around a player and, we would always call that Maradona, and when everybody, when any, whenever anybody did it on the field, as they got by the defender and they would go in one on one with the goalie, they would have to yell at Maradona. They would have to yell the move, and it was always a, it was always a great, a great piece of memory for for that. Um, too early, gone too soon. Sixty years old. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know what the the anatomy of that was. I mean, I know he smoked a lot and he had some things, but still too young, regardless. Yeah. yeah, and I, th- I think the I think the hard part is to to sum it up is, is 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 it is that you know how do you sum up sixty years? And it was there's some different quotes that <clears throat> that have been thrown around, especially these last couple of days as Champions League was going on and everything else. It was interesting. 
uh, to hear some of the, 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 the coaches and the other, the staff and things like that talk about it. But, you know, uh, one of the quotes that is, has been said in Klopp reused the quote the other day when, when they asked about him is, you know, there was, uh, it was like, it was almost like there was two people, you know, they, they watched to love, they love to watch Diego play, but Muradana had some issues. Um, and I think that's the, I think that's the key. I think, you know, I I've spent, uh, there's an, there's an Argentinian, uh, new, a sports channel that a couple months ago had done a, uh, or last year had done a, a 10 hour, basically 10 hour marathon of, of all Maradona stuff. Um, and it, it was, it was a mixture between interviews and, um, and clips and highlights and, and different little things. And I watched all 10 hours of it because there were some things that I hadn't seen before. Um, and I would watch it and I would stop it and call my dad and I would watch it and stop it and call my dad and ask him about this, ask him about that. But what I thought it, it having watched Messi, having Messi be the person that to a certain extent is the new next representation of what Argentina's is now from a soccer perspective. Um, the biggest difference that I find is that he did it in a, in a, in a time where, um, you know, as my dad mentioned, playing in the mud, like you, people played in the mud way more than they do now. Um, but there was, there was moments in the 1986 or the 1990 world cup where he's just legitimately just getting like hacked. Like these guys are just coming in, flying in studs up. Sometimes they would call the foul. Sometimes they wouldn't, but if they called the foul, like you're going studs up at somebody's knee, right? Yellow card, or maybe just a foul, right? Things now that with VAR and all these other things, you know, the game would end 10 minutes in because you would run out of players. But, um, but the one thing I noticed is he would just get up or he would just continue playing. Like it was, it, it, he would just, it, it, he, it was a way of gliding on the ball. Like I don't think I've ever, ever seen anybody do it or his, or like Brian said, it's, it's touching the ball. It, you know, I watched, um, I watched a video where uh, he used to have, um, he had a, he had a TV show in 2005 in Argentina. He had a night show. Um, it was like a, weird mixture between like a late night show and like a sports show is, is kind of a random thing that they did. But at the end of the show, they would play soccer tennis. So um, in one, one of the episodes uh, it's him and Crespo who played in the Argentina national team as well. And on the other side is Messi against Tevez with Tevez. So you're watching the, you're watching Messi and Maradona play soccer tennis together um, and one of the things Maradona was doing was he was facing, he had his back to the net and he would strike the ball with his left foot, but he would strike it and like slice the ball. So the ball would go backwards. He'd just create a lot of backspin to it, but it was like, like, you know, the four of us could sit in the soccer field and create backspin in a ball. We couldn't do that though. Like play soccer tennis backwards just for fun like I, we could sit there do it and try it and we would embarrass ourselves or the ball would go forward instead of backwards um but i think that's it's those moments when you're just like there's this this is the memory i think for me it's that it's it's the watching him play watching him do different things 
um, and watching what he inspired others to do. I think that's the key. So like, so Dwayne, cause you're the youngest out of all of us. Um, you obviously only watched him play through videos. YouTube is, is pretty much it. Right. So what, what memory do you have of watching him play through a YouTube video? Like what things like kind of strike out at you? Well, um, like to go off of what Derrickson said, like in high school, I want to say, or like maybe middle school, there's like a technical series that, you know, like all the players were doing. So I think that was probably the first time where I ever like heard his name. It was like, Oh, good. This is the Maradona move. Here's the Zico turn. Here's the Rivaldo. Here's the bird camp. Like, that's the time I started hearing those names. So like at first, like you heard them, didn't really make the connection. I want to say like when I got to high school is when I first started like seeing clips and stuff. And it was just like, man, this guy really carved everybody up. Like he just like, it's a different style of soccer. Like that's something like Derrickson said, like you want to emulate, like I want to be like this player. I want to dribble through everybody and do this nice turn and score goals. So like, that's, like my first like real memories of Maradona. And then like, obviously you've seen the clips as you get older, like the hand of God and some of the goals and the highlights he had, which is also like kind of where I caught up with him. But yeah, kind of like reminded me of like Kobe Bryant passing away, like in a sense of like the culture and like how he changed the perception of kind of like life and like from an Argentine standpoint. Yeah. And I, I think the, and I think this is where I, again, I try to explain it to my wife in the sense that like maybe in the U S only the, really the soccer people get affected by this. Um, but then when you look at what happened everywhere else in the world, um, that the world for, for a few minutes somewhat stopped um, in, in, in Napoli, in Napoli yesterday, uh, they, they had flares all around the stadium on the outside of the stadium. Cause obviously and they had a Europa league game and the, yeah. obviously there's no fans. So, um, but they, they had flares all around the stadium and there's been there people there for camping out for 24 hours, just, you know, lighting candles and doing things at Barcelona yesterday. They did things. Uh, Argentina yesterday was <clears throat> for, a, for a brief moment of time. Uh, you saw a glimpse of what it could be. Um, and then it turned back into the, the chaotic place that it is at times. Um, but they, they opened up the, the equivalent of what the white house is the, with the pink house in Argentina. They opened that up and had a public viewing of the casket, uh, where people would come in and basically spend five seconds right in front of it, throw something like a shirt or a flag or, or a ball or something, and would continue on and they had that open, but you know, due to the family's wishes, they, they only wanted to keep that on until four o'clock last night. Um, which you probably could have had it for an entire weekend or an entire week and it would have not been enough. Um, but there was people lined up a mile and a half away trying to get in. And it, it that's where everything kind of turned bad when, when people started realizing that people were, some people were not going to get in. Um, but you saw that like, the the outcry and the outpour of of in Argentina, which is a complete um, representation of what soccer is from a fandom perspective, where 
you know, if, if it's Sunday and my team plays against your team, you and I are not friends. You and I don't talk. You and I might hate each other. But for that brief moment of time, all that came down. It was, it was everybody was united towards one common goal, which was remembering this one person who had a lot of flaws. No one's denying that. But I think, I think part of, part of what, what drew people to him was the fact that he, he had flaws, that he wasn't a perfect person, that he was in the eye of the media a lot. Like it, it's what drew you to him. Like, and, and that was the shocking part about him passing away. It was just like, it, he's not, he's, he's almost died a few times. Like, he, he, like he technically had died once before. Like it, this wasn't anything new, you know, this was just like, Oh, he'll be, I'll be fine. Um, but it wasn't. And I think that was the tough part. Um, but I, I think for, for the, for our younger players that are listening, hopefully, you know, from a, from a Delaware union perspective, our goal is for you to watch what he did as a player, watch, watch what he did on the field. I think, yeah, there's a picture of Derrickson's that's popping up of him training in the mud. There's a video of him training in the mud. That is, so- that is absolutely unreal. So that, like, when you mentioned, sorry to interrupt you, I just want to get to that yeah. before you go to, go to the next topic. But, like, that picture right there, we don't see that anymore. You're right. Right? Because of turf fields and because of cancellations and things like that. Like, I remember, like, and, and Dwayne, like I, like, I can remember when I was young, like I said, playing in high school and playing amateur up here in Pittsburgh. And, like, we, we, we wished for rain. Like we, we, we wanted rain versus 85 degrees and sun. Like we wanted to play sloppy. Our parents disagreed, but we, we wanted to come home with like mud, mud on us and, and like blood and sweat and just mud. And, you know, like that doesn't happen today. So I think one of the other things that Maradona did maybe in our mind subconsciously was he created that passion within our minds that rain, sleet, snow, mud doesn't matter. Like you go out and you, and you just play, you know, I don't know if that, you know, has any, had any resonance to me, but when you said mud, I looked up an image and I just was scrolling through till I found something that related to that. But I can, I can just remember going out and just killing it in the mud. Like, you know, it just gave you an extra adrenaline rush. Yeah. You heard it here. Derrickson said, next time it, there's no cancellations for weather. We're going out in the mud. He's running the session. I didn't say that now. I said <laughs> back then. <laughs> Bring him back that technical series with the Maradona moves. Let's do it. In the mud. In the mud. So let me throw this one out at you, not to extend this, but like, I wonder what Pele's thinking. He like, was. I wonder. He was extremely sad. Yeah, yes. I mean, I. So he sent he sent a flower arrangement and he tried to get it to him, um, to the viewing and that and then it never got there. So um, he was able to send it to, to where they buried him yesterday. Um, okay. He tweeted he lost a friend. He said. Yeah. yeah. Were they were they close? Yeah, they had gotten close over the years. Um, they never played against each other. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. They they never they never got to play against each other. They were never on the field at the same time. 
Um, so I think that rivalry was created for other by other people, not necessarily by them. Yeah, but in 2005, when he was doing his show, the first show was with him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there was a friendship. I think they were yeah. they're both. They were there was a friendship for for both of them. So, um, all right. So as we as we wrap this up or this part of the the podcast up, um, because we felt like it was an important thing to talk about, considering the not only what it what what he meant to me um, uh, as a soccer fan and as a as an Argentinian as a Boca fan, um, but what he meant to the people in on the podcast and and my dad. Um, so final final thoughts uh, from Luis about what did it mean when because in the 78 World Cup you were a little bit younger but the 86 World Cup what what was the feeling I mean obviously the 78 World Cup was in Argentina but when the 86 World Cup having that be Maradona's first like true him being at his prime uh what what did that feel like he was he's the soccer player he here he and the ball was only one person i think he's the soccer player and he did everything with the ball a score goal that are not permitted or yes yeah. he did it like that in, this, in that world cup and he did the best goal in the history of the world cup as well that's maradona is that it's a good representation yeah we're moving on to the mls playoffs um so derrickson uh you weren't on the podcast last week but uh Duane and i went in a whole uh bracket breakdown of the mls playoffs uh, and i'm pretty sure we got nothing right um but if you took our picks and went to dover downs you ain't picking up no you're not picking up no <laughs> hope you bet low hope you bet low <laughs> it yeah. was bad it was pretty bad um but it was really funny i got a i got a message yesterday from uh matt ralph from the brotherly game who who was on the podcast a few weeks ago <laughs> and i'm jumping in on a round table discussion with him in a little bit but he said hey at least your uh your chris wandalowski prediction came true somewhat uh so we predicted that chris wandalowski was going to score a game winner which ultimately wasn't a game winner but he did score a 90 plus minute goal um so so yeah so and i guess the the biggest thing is that is the, the philadelphia union are knocked out lost two nothing against new england um, in a game that I, I don't know that the that the union offered much. I think the I, revolution the revolution had them figured out. I think they played each other a lot. Thinking about it, you know, they played each other a lot since MLS came back. Like they played each other in the tournament. They were playing each other like every other week for a couple weeks. And like Bruce Arena is not a bad coach. Like he's going to figure the team out, figure out a way to win. But it's been ten games since they had they had beating them 10 since 2017 or something like that they hadn't lost them the union hadn't lost it in new england yeah yeah that was the that was the and now obviously you know stats are meant to be broken to a certain extent so obviously at some point 
they were bound to win, but um but not in this environment. You not in this environment. No, you expected Philadelphia to be able to just roll right through considering that they had beaten them during the regular season pretty well. Like it was it you know, it was so but I think the there was a couple disappointing parts to it. I felt like some of the substitutions were a little bit interesting. Um, I think in, in doing it, I've talked about Elsinio before and yeah. he's a player that I don't know that. And I know he's a super sub for the union. He creates some scoring chances and things like that. But in that moment, when you're two goals down, the player that slows you, that slows you down to a certain extent. I don't know. That's the, that was the right move. Um, played him as a nine, I think. If they were to put him anywhere, put him up top. Um, I think that's where the union were really lacking was that final the forwards, right? Like, yeah, well, ultimately, they I mean, the majority of the balls went to a senior, and they're like, oh, he's gonna create an assist. The problem is, New England packed it in, sat back, and just were like, all right, let's go. Like, uh, he was creating assists, though. He's a I mean, you create, but, but again, he's dumping just, balls in. He dumping balls in like he always did, but there's nothing on the other end, right? There was nothing on the other end. I mean, Shiloko had one one header that Matt Turner was like, "All right, thanks." Like, but it that was the hard part. I just don't know that. I think, yeah, New, uh, the Philadelphia Union had a bad 10, 15 minute period where both goals came in, but at the same time, I don't know that the Union really had anything on the other side that you're like, "All right, so let's just say it was one nothing." Would it have been any different in the second half? I, I don't know. I just don't see it having changed. Like, I just don't know that there was anything to the game. The game was pretty one-dimensional. Like, past yeah. those two goals, it just... Yeah, I mean, the, if the Union win that game, they win it one nothing. Like, it, it's nothing spectacular. You know, maybe Fontana comes in, scores a goal or something, but... It was going to be. Playing, was it just there? Was they just no passion in their game, or is it New England was just thwarting anything they had going? No, I mean, I think I think New England was smart. I mean, you could hear Bruce Arena yelling and going, uh, telling his outside backs who weren't necessarily one of them was not an outside back naturally, mm-hmm. uh, but telling his players not to go forward really, like his outside backs did not really go forward a whole lot to play safe passes. He didn't necessarily want to play a 50-50 pass going forward. He wanted to go back to his keeper if he could. Like he was to a certain extent managing the clock. Um and did a good job of it. Like that's that's the that's the interesting part. He did a really good job of it. He's a he's probably you know probably the best coach in MLS from a longevity and you know this is the guy that you want kind of coach. And, I mean, he kind of just outcoached Jim Curtin, right? Like, Jim Curtin's like, hey, we're going to get forward. We're going to play on the counter. We're going to open the game up. We're going to have players running at you. And Bruce Arena's like, sit back and beat me, right? This was this was Curtin's opportunity to silence the critics and really step up the level of, of the union as they progress through the year. And he got punched in the face, it sounds like. Well, I think the I think the I think there was two parts of it. One, the union rely on their ability to counterattack. Like yep. they're they're fast at countering. Brendan Anderson is is really good in that moment. Um, and New England never really gave him a chance. Granted, the, I mean the first goal comes twenty five minutes in, so it the, the game hadn't the, the game hadn't fully settled in all the way. Um, but I think the I think the interesting part, and I think this is what 
to a certain extent, this new COVID world of soccer gives you with an empty stadium where you can hear absolutely everything. Yeah. You could hear Bruce Arena. And that's, and I think that's the difference, right? You're down to nothing. And, and maybe it's not his personality, and that's fair enough. Like, ultimately, you know, a coach's job is to work during the week, not necessarily during the game. But again, you, you heard Bruce Arena talking. Um, whether it, it changed anything or not, that's that's what I heard. That's what I saw watching it from my TV. Solid coach. It's all like you got the stadium jacket on. I bet you had some copas on his feet. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Sure. <laughs> it's he definitely had a, he had a kit underneath that suit. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I I I I don't disagree because Bruce Arena was fighting the referee when it was the game was literally a minute left in the game, and he was still fighting for calls. And you're like, it's not going to change, but. But still, I think, I think that was the big difference. I think that was the moment where, to a certain extent, you expected uh, Jim Card to to do something different, and I, I don't know that happened. I, I just think you just kind of. Yeah, I mean, I he's got the pressure that, the midfield with a center back. <laughs> yeah. In that situation, though, if you're if you're coaching your team to counter like you have all year, you've got to assume now you're in a now you're in a single elimination game. Winner moves on, loser goes home. And if you've pre- if you've lived by that philosophy, you have to know that any coach that is a coach is going to prepare for that type of game plan. And you've got to have something creative. You've got to have something that you can if you're the if you're the favorite and that coach prepares to play you that way, you'll know in the first 10 minutes. The yeah. first 15 minutes that they're keeping players back and the outside backs that normally run forward by videotape, you know, when you watch their games, they're usually going forward and you see them staying home. And if you don't see it, you hear their coach telling them that, like you said, that you go to plan B and you stretch right. the field and you go into your possession game to try to create penetration. And it just sounds like curtains, which, you know, love them or, you know, no judgment. You, He's got to be ready for that. And it sounds like he was not. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, uh, I mean, two thing, attempts, two attempts on goal. Now, the other thing is, Sebastian, you know, we've been talking about this in the past couple of weeks. Set plays. Yeah. Game winners. Can't, you can't give up set plays. Game winners. Everybody's got to stop giving up set plays. <laughs> yeah. Let's ban corner kicks altogether. <laughs> ban corner kicks. 3v3 style, the corner kick, if it goes out for a corner, it just goes back to the goalkeeper. Or, or how about every corner kick has to have two players? Every corner kick every has, corner to, be kick has short. to have two players. Now there's no more long corner kicks. Can't head the ball. Not allowed. Can't head the ball. <laughs> there you go. Return to play. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the, first union, the first union girls player that heads a ball into the back of the net should get a car. Matchbox. Matchbox. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. There you go. Perfect. Derrickson. Derrickson's on it. I uh, think I'll say I'll, I won't be spending money on Matchbox cars. Probably not. Um, so the other games that that happened, um, Columbus beat New York, which I don't know that. Oh, actually, we might have called. We might have. Uh, no, you might have. Dwayne might have said Columbus. I I might have said New York. Um, Zardes. <laughs> yeah, Zardes. There you go. Um, Montreal obviously knocked out by New England. Nashville bit Inter. 
Now, I- I'm going to take an asterisk on that one because Iguain never got to play. After we recorded the podcast, like a few minutes after, it was it came out that Iguain tested positive for COVID, so he couldn't play the game. That might have changed something. Um, Orlando in a miraculous, like crazy uh, <laughs> PK shootout, uh, <laughs> which was super strange because Gaesa gets thrown out. During peak of the peak of shootout, yellow, but a second oh. yellow for stepping off the line. Yeah, and and Argentinian Rodrigo Schlegel steps into the goal and goes, "You know what? I'll do it. I got this. I, I got it. Don't just put me in, coach." Um, Who was in the locker room popping champagne? Oh, I'm sure. Afterwards, he's like, he's like, "Gaiese, you're out. I'm in. I'm because <laughs> I can't start." In general, I'm usually off the bench. Now I'm starting. I'm the <laughs> well, he ran. Didn't the coach run into the locker room after they thought they won it, but they replayed? Oh yeah, the he was. Oh, he was. Oh, he was already in. He was ready. Corks to go. were off. Oh yeah. He, he was, <laughs> wait, put it back on. Wait, put it back on. Put it back on. Maybe they can return it. Maybe we can return it. Um. So yeah. So. So Orlando City moved on. Minnesota, with a butt whooping on Colorado, uh, Kellen Acosta playing left back which was not not a good look. Uh, the San Jose against uh, Sporting game was very entertaining. We called it. Chris Wondolowski. Ah. There was a lot of buzzer beater, you, know, you want to call it buzzer beater goals. There were. There was a lot. In the MLS playoffs. Like yeah, New England there. got through on a buzzer beater. Like literally yes. a buzzer beater. Yeah. Bo, 95th minute. Yeah. And then, um, then Seattle with a huge win against LAFC. Seattle was the best. You got to give Seattle the you got to give them the wins through this bracket. They 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 run the West and they run the West without any of those stars that are in LA. Like if you look at the players that LA is bringing in compared to players Seattle's bringing in, it's like night and day. And they run the West. Yeah. Are they, are they sponsored by Starbucks? Seattle? No, Xbox, right? Xbox, Xbox. yeah. Microsoft? Isn't Probably Starbucks? Microsoft, no. Microsoft. Isn't Starbucks big out there too? It is, but they yeah, no, it's all Microsoft. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, then Nashville beats Toronto. And again, buzzer beater, 108th minute in the overtime. Um and so he now he was out there putting in work though. He was trying to get the goal back. He was, they yeah. He played the he played the distance. He's still fit. No, he didn't. <laughs> uh, th- there's a reason why he got subbed off in like the 60th minute. <laughs> um. Uh, and then so now we have the the semifinals, which now are somewhat in danger because so Nashville is supposed to play Columbus on Sunday and. Uh, it was just reported that Columbus has another four players that tested positive. On top of like, on top of like two more players that they had already. Sounds so, like the Ravens. So, okay. yeah. So, so now Nashville, Columbus is possibly in danger, or Nashville's going in with a B squad against Columbus, who's who's Columbus uh, is is bubbled up. So, so it's. You said it's the semis, right? So there's what eight teams left. Yep. Eight teams left. I think MLS just steps in and bubbles everybody up. You lose, you get out the bubble. Yeah, I mean, 
at that point, you might as well bring some everybody central. You could bring everybody to Sporting KC. You can bring everybody to Sporting KC for Sporting KC. Sporting KC, there you go. They got a whole facility, man. That's where U.S. Soccer is. Yeah. Is it indoors? No. Fine. Nah, you'll be all right. It's got to go to Florida, like Texas. Well, I mean, FC Dallas. That's a good call, Dwayne. Tell it. Kansas is cold, right? It's cold out there right now. I mean, FC Dallas is still in. Right, FC Dallas is still in. So FC Dallas plays against Seattle. Uh, Orlando plays against New England. Columbus against Nashville, and then Sporting KC against Minnesota. Just house everybody in Cowboy Stadium, man. Just bubble them up there. It's big enough. Just have them play in the stadium in Dallas. Wait, so Sporting KC is playing Minnesota in Minnesota. Sporting KC is playing at Minnesota. In, at Sporting. Uh, I was. Man, Minnesota's training sessions have got to be insane this time of year. I'm sure they're indoors. You got they play outdoors though, right? They play outdoor, yeah. You got Adrian, Adrian Heath is not training indoors. He seems like the outdoor kind of coach. That he does not care about the elements. He's training in the mud. Definitely training in the mud. Right now he'd be training in the tundra. He'd be training in <laughs> ice and he doesn't care. That's a little it's, different than Maradona's life, I'm sure. Sur- survive, 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 survive. survive. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to. Starting um, eleven, those that survive. There you go. All right, so um, the U.S. Women's National Team today, twelve thirty, uh, against the Netherlands, um, who obviously was the the match from the World Cup final. So an interesting. Somewhat familiar, somewhat not familiar lineup for the women's national team. Uh, no Rapino, uh, but Alex Morgan's back. Wow. Um, so that's going to be cool. Uh, you know, you got Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, uh, Alyssa Nair is back, Abby Delcamper, Kristen Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn is back. The other so, cool part yeah, is the fact right. that the Muse sisters are together again. So Sam right. Muse and then Christy Muse is back in the national team. So some of these cap numbers, like you, you like it's a good blend. Like Becky Sauerbrunn has 177 caps. Yep. And like Kelly O'Hara, 131. Like that's you go, you're blending in some experience or some youth. You have a girl, Alana Cook, who's from, from PSG. From PSG. Yeah. There you go. Her so first like one. Experience. I think yeah. that front three is dangerous, though. Even if you leave, like, I don't think Rapina is that good anyway. But I think the front three, you go press Morgan and Heath, that's dangerous. Then you got Lynn Williams there, who can be extremely dangerous as well. You got Ashley Hatch from the Washington Spirit, um, which will be able to do some damage as well. So I think, listen, as long as Rose Lavelle's in the, on, in the game, everything's good. fine. Everything's fine. As yeah, long as who? Rose Lavelle. Rose, as long as Rose Lavelle is in, we're good. That's what I was going to call her is the difference maker. She is. That's it. She's my, uh, her, and Tobin Heath, her and Tobin Heath have it all under control. Let them run she's the come a long way. Hasn't Rose come a long way in the last couple of years? Like, she's just yeah. come from the bottom of the depth chart all the way up. Yeah. Like, middle of the road all the way up. Now, here's who I'm intrigued to see if hopefully she'll get some minutes, but it's Katarina Macario. From Stanford, uh, who is an absolute monster of a player. 
uh scored some like record like 45 goals last year uh for Is Stanford yeah she's it's kind of like a 10 false nine yeah you know? um but yeah uh, an absolute monster oh yeah what about um, this other girl from Florida State uh Jalen Howe I don't I'm not I'm not too familiar with her um Two college kids coming in to the national team. Which is good. You you kind of want a little bit of that. You know, you want that mixture. But I'm hoping Macario, I'm hoping Macario plays and uh does some stuff because I think she that'll be really cool. Goals. Yeah, she needs to she might have to start. I don't know. I mean, I think that I think it was around that number, but yeah, she scored a ridiculous amount of goals in and uh not in last year. And it, she's yeah, no joke. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving on. Oh, to- Jalen Howe scored two goals in the ACC Women's Soccer Championship. All right, there you go. Florida State. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that I think it's a good mixture of of young players and and some newer players. I think it will be, um, will 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 be there. Um, all right, so. Uh, one other thing that's happened since we and that kind of leads us into our player of the match award to a certain extent. So I had a bunch of different. I had really this was probably the toughest week to do player of the player of the match. Um, and I and for me, I started doing the player of the match on like Tuesday, and then when Wednesday hit, it all went sideways before me. Um, but Tuesday, you know, by Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, player of the match was almost run runaway for Erling Haaland. He won the Golden Boy Award, scored six goals in in two games, uh, has been an absolute monster. Um, but then I was like, oh man! But Chris Wondolowski, like we we expected that he was going to, um, like we we wanted him to score a goal. He did. May have been his final match. Sporting KC coach said he talked to him. Not his final match. He's coming back for one more year. Not to the national team. Let's let's be clear there. Uh, but um, hey, if no, we need a ninety minute no, goal, no, no, we got um, him on the bench. No. Um. So then, I, so I had Chris Wondolowski, and then, but then something happened on uh, on on Tuesday, yeah. which it was Tuesday, yeah. yeah. And and I texted Dwayne as soon as it happened. 60, 65th minute, Ricky Pooch back in back on the field. Uh, and not only that, he starts the 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 play that uh, Griezmann scores in with a beautiful outside of the foot pass. Um, so then you're like, oh man, do I give it to Ricky Pooch? But then obviously with everything that happened on Wednesday, um, I have no choice but to give it to Maradona. I think he deserve. He is the player of the match. I think he's the player of most matches. Uh, so, um, and we're going to have a discussion based on uh, our marketing analytics department. And uh, Dwayne and I will sit down and discuss naming the player of the match to the Diego Maradona player of the match award. I think it seems, seems fitting. Napoli is about to change their entire stadium name. Um, so a way for the soccer podcast to be able to to do something. So um, yeah. So my player of the match is Diego Armando Maradona. Dwayne, who's your player of the match? 
I'm going to give it out to a fellow Argentinian um, by the name of Bo. I don't know. I know his first name is Gustavo. Gustavo. I don't know if he has a first name, but he's Bo. Scores Gustavo, a buzz- Gustavo, yeah. Scores a buzzer beater in New England's playing game, 95th minute to knock Montreal out. Um, and then against the Union, he was just hectic, just in the right areas at the right time, just reading the play. He didn't score, but probably could have had two or three goals just by being at the right place at the right time kind of changes – um, the dynamic for uh, New England going forward. So definitely a player to watch, uh, Bo. I'm also yeah. going to give a shout-out to a player of the match, to Phil Foden. Phil Foden scored. Scored. The game and winner. I don't – Pep, I don't know if you take him out the starting lineup. I think you play him and De Bruyne next to each other. I think that Silva Amara has got to figure it out out there, but I think you leave Foden in. I think now it's just time to – to shine and take the team over. Yeah. Yeah. And can we, can we give an honorable mention to uh, David Silva? Who yeah. is tearing it up at Real Sociedad with like. Leading the league, La Liga. It assist. Also. Well, is, it, is it Real Sociedad? Oh, on top of the league. Yeah. On top of the league. league and right also, now. also leading assist. So the monster. Hey, Premier League was just too physical. He's just going to outthink you. Yeah. Pick you apart. He goes to MLS. It's game over. Like, well, speaking about thinking, right? So when we when we talk about the fact that like players like Ozil are are not playing, are not even on the on the bench, not even on the on the roster, pretty much. Um, but like David Silva can't keep up anymore to a certain extent. But then you look at what happens with Monaco. Monaco down two nothing against PSG. So second honorable mention. Monaco's down 2 nothing to PSG. Ces Fabregas comes in and just tears it up. Monaco wins 3-2. Yeah, I, he's one of my favorite players. I didn't know he was still at Monaco. Monaco. So he used to be one of my favorite players. So when we talk about when we talk about to all our younger listeners, when we talk about understanding the game and being able to read the game and being able to set the tempo and things like that, and that it's a thinking game. Those are the players. Fabregas, Ozil, uh Elisinho. Silva. Elsinha. Um <laughs> Riquelme, Maradona. Uh don't so yeah. No, so, no, I'm gonna throw that's, in that's you. That's all you. So all right, Derrickson, who's your player of the match? So I think Maradona was my right off the bat. It was like yep. every word you had listed, every award you had listed on that sheet, I was like, Yeah, you know, in absentia in in uh in death, Diego, 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 right? So, but I'm going. I'm going to go. I'm going to throw Schlegel in there. Yeah, there you go. Orlando. I mean, you Schlegel. can't. You know, I got a couple texts from some people that sent me the link to the, how crazy that game went. So when I went and researched a little bit on it, like just the whole dynamics of as we talked about earlier, the whole dynamics of that situation. Who wants to do that? Like, who wants to? When it's a single elimination, it's not like you're home and home, and you can get through that game and maybe clear up some stuff and get organized. Like who goes to their coach and says, coach, I want this. Like, I want this. And according to the the transcripts of the conversations, he was like, yo, kind of threw a white lie at the coach and said, I played this all the time when I was in Academy, I got this. And in actuality, he had only played it a couple of times as a stand-in when necessary. Like when a game was out of hand. 
<laughs> he convinced the key. He convinced his coach, and coach said, "Go get it, man. Go get it." He went in there clueless in scrimmages. He was doing it on the right. Friday nights, Friday scrimmage. He went in there for that third night training. Play go. goalie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing Schlegel in there in, in the mix. I know he go. won't get it, but he made a difference for his team. Hey, why not? Yeah, Rodrigo so. Schlegel. There you go. Derrickson's player of the match. I love it. Next, you have all the players in the club coming up to him saying they played goalie before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So on this day in soccer history. So um, 2006, the Ballon d'Or was presented. Uh, Dwayne, do you remember who won the World Cup in 2006? Uh, yeah, it was Italy. Yeah, uh, Italy. Oh, wow. Against France. Yeah. Yeah. Watched all 120 minutes of his advance headbutt, headbutt and all of that stuff. Argentinian referee in that match, by the way. Just Argentinian colors are flying today. Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, we're, we're, that, we're everywhere. We are absolutely everywhere. Um, all right. So uh, November 27th, 2006, uh, the Ballon d'Or is presented to the best player of the year by, uh, I think it's a, it's a French publication that does it um so it's presented that year was presented to mr fabio Cannavaro. so interesting fact though uh which i thought was really cool he is only one of three players he's one of three defenders to ever win the award can you name the other two uh yeah i can off of wikipedia (laughs) trust it no, you I, do, find, I do. You might find Dwayne's name in there. <laughs> Dwayne, did you win the award? Yeah. Uh, Hold on. What, what's that? What's that site you're on? <laughs> Yo, hurry up, man. You can type your name in there. <laughs> uh, so uh, the other two players, um, one uh, Matthias Sammer uh, from from Germany, and the other one, another German player, Mr. Franz Beckenbauer. The only okay. two other defenders to ever win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, but another interesting fact is that a year he won the FIFA Player of the Year and he became the only defender in history to ever win it. Huh. Uh, so that year uh, he beat out Gigi Buffon and Thierry Henry for the Ballon d'Or. Gigi Buffon, who's still playing. Who's still playing. Tierra and Reed is now coaching, and so is Cannavaro. He's coaching in China. Gigi Buffon is still trying to get that award. Yeah. He's still he's eligible to win the award. Still, he's <laughs> still eligible. He is absolutely still eligible. All right. So, fair play of the week. Um, so, I'm going somewhat in Derrickson's route, and my fair play of the week goes to Rodrigo Schlegel. Yeah, because in that good- moment, in the moment, you stepped up. That's a nice consolation prize for no, no, player, no, no, no. Player no. of the match. Hey, the match. he still gets a player of the match award from you. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, he still gets it. So now he just gets a fair player award. So he doubles up this week. Uh, all right, Dwayne. Uh, give him my fair play of the week award out to the Philadelphia Union operations staff for putting on a great season, great matches, getting some fans in the stands. Um, got it all in before you know the fans are no longer in the stands after this weekend. So they were able to put on a season and you know, shout out to them for doing it safely. So I don't think we heard anything negative coming out of it. So that's good. That's true. 
Yeah, big shout out to uh, to our friend uh, Alex Carrington from the Philadelphia Union. There you go. Good call. Good big call. shout out to Alex. Derrickson, you got a fair play of the week? Anybody that's done something good in the soccer world this week for you? I know who we're not going to say that someone's done something good for the world of soccer for the week or the club. I know we can't throw that one in there, but nope. Um, you know, how about just everybody associated with the game, given circumstances, right? To get yeah. anybody in the stands or to get any semblance of a league, you know, worldwide, not just MLS, you know, where we saw empty stands and then we saw placards of people's faces and then we saw Zoom, you know, Zoom platforms where people were celebrating goals and saves and, and there you go, Dwayne, perfect. I hated those things. Yeah, right, right. And you got the people with the scarves and premiership with like all knotted up like they were in the yeah. stands. They were, they were in 80, 75 degree houses and they still had scars wrapped around them like they were sitting in the bleachers on a blistery winter day. <laughs> now, I just say like the whole soccer world gets a fair play to just keep it, keep it real and keep it active. Yeah. Hey, they've been the best sport other than the Columbus and the Nashville and the Dallas outbreak. They probably, probably second to the NBA, like best return to play. The NBA did a great job. The NBA did a fantastic job. Now, granted, the NBA did what nobody else has done, which is which is quarantine. <laughs> they were further along in their season. Like it would have been hard for MLS to keep everybody in the bubble. That like you would think about it, they'd still be in there now. Like you, but but, but, to, but credit to the idea of it, right? So you know, the MLS after Nashville and Dallas got sent home, everything was fine. Yeah. Um. And, and even and even and and even the NBA, I thought they did a fantastic job. And I think the hard part is. You know, I I hope that the players, especially when we talk about the NBA coming up soon, um, the the players understand the importance of it. Um, and I think in, I think in basketball probably is in, in more impacted than any other sport just because some of the roster size. You don't have forty players. You know, you, you have a roster of twelve, fourteen, really, like max. Yeah. So. Um, so if two or three players go down, you're already limited to to what you have. So, um, so I think having hopefully the, the the responsibility is there from the players' perspective, from the from each organization to have a successful season because the NBA will be the easiest one to get shut down um, if it's not done correctly from a regular season perspective. So because of the numbers. Don't yeah, forget just the, num- any- just the numbers. Forget- play- well, the NHL did the same. The same. Don't forget the NHL with Toronto, and then they had a bubble city on the east. Oh, uh, they went to a different country and did it. They cheated. Nah, there you go. That's true. Good call. Good point. But still, though, to get a season out of nothing. Yeah. Now they didn't let any fans in. You know, they went on so early that. All and you the saw NBA, was- the NBA is like there's certain certain uh, certain teams are letting. I like think Utah, the Utah Jazz, the, the Jazz are are letting people in. Um, for or some limited fans for their games. So I, again, I think it's you know to, to Derrickson's point, the fact that the soccer world was able to to majority of the countries, if not all, are are playing. Yeah, it's, well, it's just the global, like the global perspective versus our country. Like I don't know what Canada did or you know Italy or you know, but for soccer from a worldwide perspective, we were able to keep yeah 
things going to a, to a degree. Not gonna lie, I miss I miss the nine a.m. games, the eleven a.m. games from the bubble. Like the like. Yeah. There's one thing I do miss about like everything being shut down is those early morning sports. Like that was just that was a good some good times. That's fun. Yeah. Um. All right. So before we wrap up, considering it was Thanksgiving yesterday, um, I think we want to we want to do a quick. What are we thankful for? Um, for me, I'm thankful for the fact that this is episode 22. Nice. Uh, 22 weeks in a row we have done this. The uh, FAA has not shut us down. Or the FCC. <laughs> yeah, we've not been shut down yet, which is good. <laughs> um, uh, I- I'm just thankful for this. I think this is a, it was a kind of a kooky idea that I had that, you know, Dwayne and a couple other people went along with it. And Dwayne's been on the podcast just as long as I have all 22 episodes were the only two that have, that have done it Um, all 22, but we've had a ton of guests along the way, which we're super happy about. Uh, But I really look forward to this every single week. Um, It's, it's a really fun time. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a very long time. Um, So as we, as we gear up towards um, in the next, in the next month, we'll be halfway through a year. You know, we'll be, we'll be halfway through a year which would be a really cool, really cool thing. And and as we have different ideas that come up, different things, you know, last week we played our first game and Dwayne filled out miserably. Uh, he was very bad at it. Uh, hey, Jeff Cameron asked his kids the same question, one of the same questions, and I got it. There you, all right, there you go. What was the question? How many laws of the game are there? 22? Ooh, Derrickson. Really bad? Just five off. All right. Well, that's all right. Plus or minus margin of five. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 17. 17. Okay. 17 with the 18th being common sense. Nice. Um, so so Jeff, yes, would I, know that. Jeff would know that answer. Hopefully. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah, I hope he does. Um, so yeah, so I'm just I'm thankful for uh I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for the fact that we we've been able to do this for for 22 weeks and it wasn't just a quarantine project that then, you know, didn't didn't la- didn't um last. Yeah, it didn't fade away, right? It just we kept going Good national syndication. Yeah, man. Try 100 episodes. Then we're then we're in. There you go. <laughs> Got to go 2 years. Uh but yeah, we have a good time with it and I'm hoping that we we can do some different things and bring other people onto it because it's it's fun. It's really enjoyable to do. All right, Dwayne, anything you're you're thankful for? Yeah, I want to say uh, thankful for all the guests that we've had on the podcast. Um, definitely brought a lot of knowledge and ideas and information into the podcast. Um, even the re- repeat, you know, people that have come on multiple times and just brought you know more ideas and stuff and just helped the conversations kind of flow. And made this like a success. So yeah, thankful for all the guests that have been on. Derrickson. So first, don't forget next podcast. Let's talk high school soccer tournament. Yes. Boys tournament begins. I think this week, right? We can do that. Uh, thankful, I guess, that I am able to visit family as I am right now with circumstances in the past couple months. Um, thankful for the opportunity to continue working with the youth of the future. Um, thankful for, for a career that's continuing at 27 years as a, an educator in the same district. Um, and just thankful to have the experiences I've had 
and the, and the kids I've met and the kids I work with and the adults like yourselves that create friendships that hopefully last for a very, long, very, very, very long time. And uh, lastly, thankful that your dad's able to join us, man. It's really cool to, to see him on here and I've gotten to know him a little bit and I'm thankful to have met him. Yeah. He's a pretty cool guy. Yep. yep. Um, no, we, we, uh, I, I think the, I think the really cool thing is that we get to have these conversations and, and these are, and the funny part is that, you know, the, the podcast is really just an extension or is us being able to record a lot of the conversations that we've had just in real life. You know, the, yep. the, the soccer conversations, we, we, um, to give everybody an inside look, um, we do, we do, we do put topics together for the show. We prepare the show. It's not just like completely off the cuff. Like, all right, we just show up and hit record and see what happens. We do, we do think, think about it. But at the same time, these are all things that we talk about on a regular basis. Uh, we just now have the podcast in mind when we do it, or or we save the conversation for the podcast, or Dwayne and I will text text each other during a game. Um, to to make sure we remember to talk about this on the podcast and things like that. And I think that's the that's the fun part about it. But I think that's the other part. It's just we enjoy being around each other, uh, and we enjoy having soccer be the the vehicle that that creates the friendships that we have. Um, so for that, I'm I'm extremely thankful, and I'm also uh, we want to send a big shout out to all of our families and and people that listen to the show. Um, because ultimately, if nobody listened to the show, it'd be somewhat lonely. Um, so uh, we do want to say thanks to everybody that does listen to the show. Um, you know, some of our family members that listen to the show, we're really thankful for as well. So, so yeah. So as we as we wrap up, uh, make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Delaware Union. On Instagram, at Delaware Union Soccer. And on Twitter, at DE Union Soccer. Derrickson. We appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, the next time we have you on, we got to run you through the to the list of questions that we ask any other any coaches that have been on the podcast before. Um, so we'll we will make sure we do that because we want to know more about you as a coach um, and a little bit of the history of you as a coach. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs> <laughs>